You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You are listening to episode 141 of the Well Woman podcast. You're tuning into the episode about midwifery, home births, and postpartum care with our beautiful guest today, Dana Ikonoff. Now, I reached out to Dana to have this conversation with me because she's a registered midwife, a certified hypnobirthing Australian practitioner, wife, and of course, a mother of four, not to mention she's also pregnant with her fifth. But I wanted to have a conversation about midwifery, home births, and postpartum care at this particular time of the year, because this week, a year ago, I was about to enter my own termination journey. Now, if you haven't learned about that and would like to learn about, you know, supporting yourself through abortion and termination, how you can support others going through abortion or termination, or if you want to just learn about my own experience, you can search for that under the Well Woman podcast or head over to my website, wellsome.com forward slash podcast and search for the words either termination or abortion and you will find the juicy episodes there. But I wanted to have this particular type of conversation at this time of the year to create more clarity around a somewhat not often discussed topic around home births, along with the topic of postpartum care, how you can support yourself and others after giving birth, and what is midwifery. So I reached out to Dana for this particular reason. She also lives very close to me, and she's currently on maternity leave from her own hospital midwifery position while she's enjoying running her own business at home, Daisy, and also getting to launch her own podcast, The Oxytocin Hour, and spending more time creating and making memories with her family. Now, in this episode, we talk about the topics of what is midwifery, we discuss what is continuity of care, pregnancy's fourth trimester, really important one to learn about. We also dive into what postnatal care is best home births and what home births can look like, the different types of home births, preparing for conception if you are planning on conceiving in the future and how you can start that journey at any time, along with what is the difference between an obstetrician, a midwife and a doula. This is a fantastic episode to share with loved ones if they're looking to learn a little bit more about the pregnancy journey or the labor journey. This is definitely one for them. So enjoy this episode. I hope you do as much as I did chatting with Dana and you get lots out of it. Today's episode is brought to you by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. Are you new to getting to know your own menstrual cycle? Would you like to understand it in a better way and know how to live as a cyclical woman? Well, this is the simplified self-paced course for you. It teaches you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with the action steps, a cycle tracking guide, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish they had taught you at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle science before they arise. It's now your turn to join over 500 women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this too in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. To learn more, visit wellsome.com forward slash shop. And to thank you for being a listener of the show, use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. Dana, welcome to the Well Women podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on. I'm really thrilled that you're here too. Um, I was We were just chatting before we hit record and I was learning all about you and all the super mum action that you've got going on. So before we jump into all those fun topics, to share with you how much, or share with everyone listening how much of a super mum you are, tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how are you checking in today? So I am on a pregnancy day of my cycle. Mm-hmm. I'm 32 weeks and, oh my goodness, three days pregnant today um, with my fifth baby. So I'm, I'm sure you could guess I'm feeling like a little bit tired. <laughs> it's just a usual thing. It's a full moon as well today. So mm-hmm. I'm feeling very like, <sighs> I don't know, hard to explain tired but like there's something going on it's an airy it's fiery like yeah so I'm excited to do this with you today 
Well, I feel super fiery myself. And (laughs) if someone, this is for everyone listening, if you are pregnant or not menstruating, for you have a non-ovulatory cycle or you're on hormonal contraception or you've, you know, whatever the reason is that you don't have a a period right now, are you not menstruating or you're maybe going through menopause or perimenopause is right now Dana would be on day 13 of her cycle because tomorrow is the full moon so tomorrow would be day 14 for you right yeah if you would if you were to track your cycle with the moon so um yeah you're definitely feeling a bit like ovulation vibes and like but even though you're not ovulating because you're pregnant you're growing a baby (laughs) (laughs) well technically you're growing an organ and a baby with the placenta in there too but oh very very excited and i'm congratulations on your on your fifth baby too thank you very much you're welcome. Now, share with us who is Dana Ikonoff? Like, who are you? Who even am I? Yeah, and like, what is it? That, what is it that you do? So, obviously, you are an amazing mum of four kids already. Yeah, um, soon to be five. Um, but what is it that you do outside of being a mum? Okay, so I'm a midwife. I'm a registered midwife. I have been for a number of years now. I had my first baby when I was 19, actually. I fell pregnant with him at 18. So I wasn't a midwife before then. Um, I was a beauty therapist back then. And then I had another baby and I decided I just love everything about pregnancy, labor, birth and breastfeeding and beyond. So I decided to, as a single mum, go to uni to study midwifery and met my now husband and so did a degree became a midwife started working and then had you know a few more babies in the mix (laughs) um so yeah that's basically what I do at the moment I'm not working I'm technically on maternity leave um I also own like a pregnancy and postpartum product-based e-commerce business and have my own podcast as well so yeah really everything is always to do with pregnancy and labor and birth though (laughs) and this is why you're having another baby right because you just love the process so much (laughs) yeah that's why I'm having another one no we actually we decided on four children but um yeah my husband was supposed to book in for a vasectomy and then COVID happened and then um you know all elective surgeries and procedures were cancelled and so we just waited it out waited it out didn't have a return of a period yet breastfeeding the whole time and then I had like a questionable period you know he can have like a bit of a bleed but it's like was that it like is it trying to return what are my hormones doing Mm -hmm. um And then I never got one again. And I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't my period. And it was. Um, And then I fell pregnant. (laughs) So here we are. And here we are. At 32 and a bit weeks, um, which is fantastic. (laughs) So that kind of explains the question of like how you got into midwifery. Now, can you please explain what is a midwife? Because there are so many people out there who have never even thought about approaching the pregnancy journey. And maybe they're listening to this and they're, you know, really late teens, early 20s. They're like, that stuff's so far away from, from yeah. where I'm at in life. Yeah. But what is a midwife? So basically, I guess you need to look at, you know, like what is midwifery? Mm-hmm. And um, it's like one of the oldest professions in the world. It's just dealing with pregnancy, childbirth, and your postpartum and breastfeeding support. Um, So it literally means with woman. That's what midwife means. Oh, I love that. Yeah, with woman. And um, it's so funny because there are some male midwives around and people always joke and say, do you call them mid-husbands? I'm like, no, because that would mean with man. That's not what this is about. (laughs) Um, so midwives are specifically trained. It's like a special, a specialist training, um, in just pregnancy, um, labor, birth and beyond. And some people choose to do like registered nursing first, um, or they call themselves like labor and delivery nurses, localized. Um, and then it is like a little bit complicated. It's not as straightforward as I want to answer Mm. because, Um, you have to become like a registered midwife to work, you know, in the hospitals in Australia. And and it is different around the world as well. Um, 
but there are such things as traditional midwives as well that may have foregone um, university training, but they have all this other knowledge and wisdom somewhere else. So, yeah, essentially a midwife is with women to support the labour, pregnancy, birth and beyond journey. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. And we were chatting just before we hit record um, about the four, four trimesters and we've actually had Kimberly on the show who has the book, The Fourth Trimester. She's yes. been on the podcast before. Yeah. And it just it's such a beautiful um, thing to think about that you get fully supported and can receive full support throughout pregnancy, which is all four trimesters. Yes. Now, midwifery, you're mentioning that um, there's some, um, what was the word that you used? Um, unregistered midwives who still operate. So is that because we have midwives who work in, say, like hospital births and the midwives who do home births? Is that how that works? So, and this is in Australia as well because I don't, it's different in all different countries and I'm not totally. quite sure of how. So, yeah, um, if I wanted to be a home birth midwife, for example, which I would love to one day, um, a lot of people think that I can just do it, but I can't. So... I've done my degree in midwifery. I'm a registered midwife, but to become, um, you know, like so I can be insured and all that sort of stuff to do mm -hmm. home births, you need to become an endorsed midwife. Okay. So that would require additional study mm -hmm. and, you know. With four kids? Yeah. You can do that and, yeah, pregnant, with, sure. and pregnant with your fifth. Sign me up. <laughs> um so yeah, there's that. Okay, cool. So you need there's additional things that you need to do to become um, home birth mm -hmm. um, eligible midwife. And um, there are some midwives that have been registered and chosen to um, deregister themselves for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, because oh, this is going into like, I don't even the know the, 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 the legalities of it yeah. all, but like yeah. um, essentially we're governed by something called APRA, yeah. um, which is like the Australian Healthcare Professional like Registration Agency. So if you're registered with them, like, yeah. So um, I guess letting go of your registration means that you're just kind of freelancing on your free, yeah. free. you're free yeah. you're free spiriting <laughs> right so a lot of women choose um to free birth or to have a home birth with an unregistered midwife or with a registered midwife so okay cool yeah um <laughs> so many I, options isn't there and this is one thing that um and you might not know this um but this time last year I was pregnant and um through it with an unplanned pregnancy which you know I um I chose to terminate yeah and there was a period of time in the decision making process um before people knew that I was pregnant about you know if I was in the position um you know to keep the baby or not based on the situation of how I felt pregnant which wasn't the healthiest situation yeah um, and I was looking at, okay, well, you know, I'm someone who loves doing things at home. So maybe I want to have a home birth and how would that work? And so then I learned about continuity midwives. Yes. So what's the difference? Um, because it's, it's a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> like when you start to enter this pregnancy birthing kind of yeah. world, it's so, there's so much new stuff to learn. So you've got a midwife in the hospital and then yes. you've got a continuity midwife. Is that how you say it? Continuity yeah, continuity. Yeah. And so what is a continuity midwife? Okay. So essentially in Australia, continuity of care is like the gold standard. We know that okay. women and their babies have the best um, physical and mental outcomes when they have a known care provider that cares for them throughout the whole continuum of childbearing. So, um, yeah, so how I've worked in the hospital and what has worked best with my family, with a young family, mm. is I just turn up for um, rostered shifts. So I could be on birth suite one day in the morning and then the next day I might be in antenatal clinic. And um, so whoever's seeing me, I'm just a random midwife. They may have seen me before, they may not have. So that's not continuity of care. Um, there's different programs that you can do in the hospital and see, like, I didn't even know this existed when I had my first baby. I was just like, you just go to your GP and you're like, I'm pregnant. What do I do now? And they'll say, what sort of care do you want? And I'll say, I don't know. 
I don't know because I haven't. Like, I just it. found out I was pregnant. I don't yeah. know. I didn't even know what different options I had. And that's why it's so important to sort of look into this and what sort of experience you want to have before even falling pregnant, you know? So it wasn't until I had my first baby that I was like, well, okay, there's all these different things. And so I did it differently the second time. I didn't have continuity of care the first time. Um, So there's a thing called midwifery group practice or MGP, which exists in a lot of hospitals, probably not all of them. If you're like rural, um, Mm -hmm. in rural Australia, probably don't have as much options for care. Um, But certainly like, you know, in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, all that sort of stuff, um, it definitely exists in those hospitals. So that's when you have like a group of midwives, maybe like a group of three that you'll see at your appointments and one of them will be on call for your birth. So you'll more than likely know who the midwife caring for you is. Um, And then continuity of care, obviously with a private midwife, if you're having a home birth, it's the one midwife. Yeah. 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 No, my, um, my, it's interesting. My best friend and my sister-in-law both called Jess and they both had babies uh, they were due at the same time that I was due or would yeah. have been due, um, but babies like four or five days apart, oh. L- little Koita and Harvey um, became a double auntie instantly, which was amazing. That's cool. um, and <laughs> my, my best friend, Jess, she had a, um, you could say a continuity home midwife. Um, yeah. You know, she had a planned home birth. So yeah, beautiful process. How it's kind of like, if you want to learn how to be really, um, balance in your body and move your body really energetically you would hire a personal trainer and you would yes. hire that one trainer maybe for the whole you know for a whole year yeah and so that's kind of like what continuity of care is where you hire you know a midwife and that midwife's with you for all four trimesters is that right that's right yeah that's exactly awesome. right good analogy <laughs> I just stumbled upon yes um okay now this is really cool so let's talk about I guess the process of the four trimesters, because some people are like, there's only three trimesters, but there is this fourth postnatal time. So briefly just explain for people who are just totally new to this, what Mm -hmm. are the three trimesters and then what is the fourth trimester? Yeah. So, yeah, we know that like we say nine months for pregnancy. I think Mm -hmm. it's technically actually 10 months, but it's 40 weeks. (laughs) give or take you know it's just roughly so if we split it into if we split a whole full pregnancy into thirds Mm -hmm. so that's your three trimesters you've got the first one up to about 12 13 weeks um where you know you're finding out that you're pregnant babies forming all the major sort of organs and things like that um then you have the second trimester which is known as like the honeymoon trimester where you're not like super huge but you're starting to feel movements if you felt a bit unwell in early pregnancy that's probably and hopefully uh, ceased by this stage and you know you're just kind of like oh this is nice being pregnant (laughs) and then at about 27 28 weeks onwards until birth that's the third trimester which I am currently in Um, (laughs) hello week 32 (laughs) yeah feeling really big (laughs) a little bit slower getting around you know and a little bit of pregnancy insomnia and that sort of stuff arises and you start to really think whoa this is this is real like soon I'm going to be giving birth um and then you give birth and you enter your fourth trimester with your baby on the outside because you you know you would have made a connection through the whole pregnancy anyway and now everyone else gets to meet this baby who you formed a relationship already through through those three trimesters so um, typically for the first six weeks and then yeah your postpartum continues actually postpartum never ends I think a lot of people think it's like the first six weeks which which is true that's immediate postpartum but if you've given birth to a child you are postpartum for the rest until the day you die um, which I think is really important for people to understand as well and that's it's such a beautiful reminder because you know if I think of my mum, I hope she doesn't listen to this. I think of my amazing <laughs> mum; she's had four four kids, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm the I'm the oldest of four, so she should have stopped at the one, but she had to get going for perfection. When perfection was the first one, that's what I tell her all the time, right? 
Um, I'm the youngest but, of four, so I tell oh, you, you had to keep going until you yeah. got perfection. That's what my sister would say. <laughs> um, but it's it's interesting because, you know, as a parent, and I'm not yet a parent, um, but when you do get to that, there's a certain time in your life where the children are very independent and want to do their own things. And you're like, but you're still my baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. And so that's a really good reminder that you still are postpartum and you still totally. are t- very connected. And there is a beautiful soul connection that happens between, you know, baby and mother or baby yep. to child to adult and mother. That's right. <laughs> so, so thank you so much for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about that fourth trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, once we've given birth, um, as you know, if I think as a menstrual cycle educator, okay, I know what's going on with, you know, your hormones, all of a sudden your body's like peak prolactin production, which is Mm -hmm. like your number one, you know, breastfeeding hormone. And then between then and when you get your period back, there's all this other stuff that happens. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like dips up and down. Yes. Like your body's trying to ovulate, doesn't know whether it needs to ovulate yet. So in this period of time, post giving birth, before your period returns, what is the best way to care for your body in this fourth trimester and beyond, like after birth? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. And it's so different for an individual, for every woman. Um, so for the first six weeks, you will maybe, <laughs> we say you could have blood loss for the first mm-hmm. six weeks postpartum, like that's typical. And it should just slowly taper off. Um, go from like a heavy, heavy blood loss um, and, you know, slowly get lighter and less and less over the time, hopefully no clots and that sort of stuff. Some women will receive their period, you know, it might be three weeks and then they get their period and they've got their period and, and they could be like exclusively breastfeeding or like me, in my experiences, um, I have exclusively breastfed till about two years two to three years with all of the children and my period took longer and longer to return it was actually after my third child I think it was she was like two years and 11 months before I had my first period and I remember speaking to an obstetrician at the hospital about it because I was like I'd kind of like to have another baby but like what's going on And he said, well, yeah, like how often are you breastfeeding and all that sort of stuff? I'm like, oh, she still wakes up all night. Like she'll wake up during the night. And if I was on a night duty at the hospital, I'd still pump during the night. So I was constantly, it's like my body was thinking, yeah, we've got a baby suckling like frequently. (laughs) You're a milk machine. (laughs) It was just (laughs) happening. Um, And he actually is a specialist in fertility and did a lot of research at the MARTA as well and said, you're like the typical what women in Africa do for their contraception is co-sleeping and breastfeeding around the clock with their baby. Like I, I don't think there's an issue. And it's true. Once she sort of started sleeping more, it returned. So I think it's just important to point out that, yeah, some women it may return straight away and some it may be a long time. Mm. And in that time, I think when we're talking about postpartum care now, um, you should be seeing your GP after you have your baby. We usually say like a week postpartum just to make sure, you know, they'll check a lot of different things and ask you a lot of different questions. And then six weeks postpartum. So we want to make sure that um, that bleeding is definitely slowed down or stopped by this point and all that sort of stuff. Um, And then it's then that women are sort of curious about having intercourse with their partner if they have one, like, um, should we try? It can be a scary thing, like especially if you had a vaginal birth. Like, what am I doing? So, do I put anything in there yet, or do yeah. I wait? Is it ready? Like, you don't really. And you know what? Some people are like, "Yep, I'm good to go straight away," or um, some people are very apprehensive as well. And both are very normal, like feelings. So, yeah, that's important to see your GP at six weeks as well. And you should have had some midwifery, like some midwife appointments in between that time during your fourth tri- um, fourth tri- trimester. It should be fourth quadmester or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because trim is three. three. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. Yeah, you're spot that on. Just, that was weird. Anyway. Um, Whilst you're um, postnatal. After yeah, you when birth. you're postnatal. <laughs> 
Another thing that I do recommend women uh, do is that see a um, women's health physio at least once just to sort of check um, some women can experience like abdominal separation during their pregnancy and just really want to make sure that your pelvic floor is functioning well. We do know that the more children you have, um, the more at risk you are for having a prolapse later on in life. So that's something that I'm particularly vigilant about, mm-hmm. um, but especially a women's health physio, not just, you know, any old physio. Any, yeah. Um, and I you see, want to see a vagina physio. Yeah, someone you're that going, goes spot you're on down there. Your, you're not going for your neck. You're going <laughs> for your vagina. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, all the muscles in that area. Yeah, so, and there's a lot. Um, and I also see Cairo as well. That's a okay. really big. Um, that's a really big thing for me, especially during pregnancy as well, because um, your pelvis, like just. <laughs> that stability and and all the hormones as we talk about relaxin is a big one that happens in pregnancy that spikes um to sort of loosen up the joints and to allow for a baby to pass through there um i think my body has gone a little bit crazy with the relaxin lately because <laughs> i'm starting to you know really experience some symphysis pubis dysfunction it's just a lot of range of motion in there and i know after giving birth I really want to make sure that everything's just healing as it should and you're being sort of gentle with your body mm. um you know if you're going to go again in another pregnancy or not so yeah oh this is this is awesome I'm loving this because yeah. this is our first time having these conversations on the podcast um, yeah. even though I listen and talk about this a lot out, outside of the podcast yeah um, now this is really good and I think it's important to recognize that Every woman's experience with birth, we understand, is very different, but your mm-hmm. journey and healing experience post-birth is very individual. And that's the same as you're in, um, like I always refer to that as your journey coming off con- hormonal contraception, your journey yes. in, in conceiving, your journey in um, like reconnecting with your period. Like everything is really unique and specific. And that's why getting help and support is really important and specific yep. support. Like you mentioned, like, don't just go see a regular physio, like yes. see a vaginal physio. Um, now I love what you mentioned about your own experience with breastfeeding and your period not returning for a long time. I just wanted yes. to touch on that note because, you know, having studied natural fertility and, I guess, natural contraception, when you mentioned that, you know, the obstetrician at the hospital had said, well, actually, this is kind of how African women did this a long time ago. It's spot on. And because from my understanding ancestrally, what what happened is women used to breastfeed other women's kids, not just Mm -hmm. their own. And so it was communal feeding and communal childcare. So different to childcare today (laughs) but but communal baby caring you could say and so we had the tribe supporting us but because of that we might not have been breastfeeding our own children anymore say we got to the two-year mark we might not have been breastfeeding our own children we could have been breastfeeding other women's children or other you know families children in that community that our body is still producing that hormone which suppresses ovulation Mm -hmm. and so yeah it is very very possible for for it to be such a long time before your period returns however there's so many factors that lead to your body getting your period back early and so it's all to yeah you like for people (laughs) listening I know you know this but for people listening it's like how you breastfeed, when you breastfeed, breastfeed, um, the environment in which you breastfeed. It's the environment which you live in. It's your relationships that you have around you. Um, it's how you feel mentally in your like in your body and your mind around the experience. Like there's so many things that contribute to your body ovulating again after yes. birth. That's so right. Yeah, mm. mm. <laughs> there's just so many different factors in all of this that you need to take into account, and it's hard. When, especially when you're talking for people that may not even like haven't even given breastfeeding or birth a thought is like I don't want to overload you <laughs> but <laughs> there's layers to this there's layers I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. The Well Women Academy is my signature group coaching program. It's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women Access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats. 
including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other, not to mention it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash academy. Yes. So I, th- I think something that would be really great because this is our first conversation on the podcast around these topics. I think mm-hmm. a really good question Dana would be, all right, so if someone is planning on having a family, so they're in the planning stages, which seems weird because some people don't plan this at all. Um, but I didn't. Yeah, lots of people didn't. Like I didn't plan yeah. my pregnancy last year. Yeah. It just happens, you know. Yeah. Um, my best friend is pregnant at the moment, my other best friend, and she's that was not something that was 100% ready to happen, but it's happening and she's very excited. Cool. Um, so when it comes to um the planning phases if you have the opportunity to plan what is the most appropriate things to think about before having a kid so let's just say hypothetically it's me which this isn't the case right now but I will this will be at me in in a few years potentially Um, is that okay let's just say it's we're recording this in October let's just say I'm looking at trying to conceive in January February next year like what should I be doing right now in preparation, of course, that doesn't mean that you're going to conceive straight away, but in preparation of that being something that, um, you know, would happen in the future. Okay. So I think this is typically what should happen and it's not what really does happen a lot of the time. There's a lot of emphasis put on the pregnancy and being healthy for the pregnancy and for the baby, you know, maternal health. You want to make sure like women are super, not obsessed, but like what vitamins should I be taking and all that sort of stuff for preconception things. Um, we've seen a lot of ads on TV and probably in magazines and stuff of particular vitamins Prenatals. that you should be taking. Some of them, I probably recommend seeing a nutritionist. Um, a lot of them don't contain enough of, for example, elemental iron to actually do anything at all. So just... Yep. <laughs> I just wish that someone would, you know, it's, it's the things just thrown in your face. Like you need to do this. You need to do that. That it's like, no, no, let's just go back to the individual now. I think, yeah. So if you're concerned about your nutrition, see a nutritionist um, right or a naturopath or, you know, like something. Yeah. And so you need to think about, yes, what is the type of care that you would like during your pregnancy mm-hmm. um, and your postpartum and birth period, where would you like to give birth? Um, I think home birth kind of has a bad rap. Sometimes people, I mean, even now, like I'll have people asking me, but you know, what happens if something goes wrong at a home birth? I'm like, well, I've got a midwife and there'll be a second midwife. They're like, what, why is there a second midwife? I'm like, is this because you're giving, you're having a home birth? Because I'm having okay. A, yes. okay, cool. So I'm having a home birth for this baby, actually free birth, my last baby as well. And I've had um, birth center births and then mainstream hops. I've done it a few different ways. You are an experienced midwife. You've <laughs> so, had birth. You've given birth yes. in multiple different situations. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, yeah, people are like, you know, what happens then? Or I said, do you understand that the midwives are actually trained? to do like resuscitation on mothers and babies they've got full kits with medication and they go oh I didn't know that I thought they just like turned up and you know if something went wrong oh crap you're not in a hospital so there's a lot of like I think people just really need to do their own research into what does it actually mean to birth at home, birth at a birth center, birth in a hospital, look at the stats maybe as well you know so what is it what are you wanting to get out of this? Oh, that sounds nice. Um, you know, continuity of care. Yeah, that's gold standard. I think I want that. Um, I think a lot of people also think, 
And I guess it's ingrained in us in, with society that if you're being cared for by a doctor, like a, a, an obstetrician, that's a private doctor, that's the best care you're going to receive. And that may be the case for some people. But um, I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, they have higher rates of um, instrumental and surgical delivery. So it's just things like that. If it's very important for you that you want to avoid you know, having a cesarean or something, then you may want to look at having a home birth because that, you know, it's less likely for that to happen. So thank you for being so raw and real. I'm loving yeah. <laughs> There's so much. <laughs> so that's something. Yeah. So once you've decided, okay, yeah, I, I've, I really, I'm digging this home birth thing. You need to start um, researching, you know, midwives that are available and and thinking about costs of things as well because medicare this is australia of course covers basically bugger all for home births which is really unfortunate because i feel like actually we should be getting more women to want to have a known care provider why aren't they um yeah doing things to facilitate for that to happen so that's a bit annoying so yeah looking at costs what can you afford because there is a lot of output if you if you're wanting to do that if you don't have private health but you want an obstetrician well that's going to be expensive as well you know things like that um and then yeah you need to be looking into um not just those care providers but um other things that you might need to um do in preparation for later on so like hypnobirthing is a really great course that you can do when you're when you're thinking about the birth and that's not just for vaginal birth I think hypnobirthing does like cesarean um positive it's like a positive birth program there's plenty of them I think there's like calm birth as well and you know different things so looking into those sort of courses you can do but what I really think a lot of people build up build up build up like pregnancy this whole pregnancy and we've got to buy like all these gorgeous like baby things and I just you know want this cot and like all that sort of stuff this amazing pram and all that stuff is great but like you really need to be thinking about how you as the mother are going to be supported through your whole journey Mm -hmm. Um, and postpartum is so often neglected probably the most important since we just spoke about earlier it never ends you've got nine months of pregnancy and maybe, you know, like 12 hours of a labor or, you know, a few hours if you're having a cesarean and then all the rest is postpartum. So um, that's very important. (laughs) That's, that's very important. So you might want to think about um, like, I'm hiring a doula this time. Mm -hmm. Can you explain? Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 it's fine. I think just while you're talking about doula, can you just briefly explain what is the difference between a midwife and a doula? Now, I understand this very, very, very well, but I think that it can be a little bit confused. And whilst we're talking about confusion, Mm -hmm. I'm and knowing that I have, I haven't been, you know, gone through the birthing experience myself. But a lot of people do think, oh no, a doctor's the best person to do, right? A doctor's, and it's so funny because. Anyway, it's a whole another. It's a whole situation. But when I found out I was pregnant last year, um, through you know lots of very unhealthy situations that yep. led to that point, I first thing I did is I just went to the doctor, and it was like yes. a Sunday, and I didn't know what to do, and I was in, I was literally in trauma. I was hysterically crying because it was a traumatic situation. Yes. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And I spoke to my my best friend when I told her. She was like, what the fuck did you go to the doctor for? And I was like, I just didn't know what to do. I was was really upset. And so naturally a lot of people I could imagine would think that, well, the best person to deliver a baby is a doctor. But is it a midwife is the person that's really trained in the delivery of the baby? Is that correct? So midwives are trained professionals in normal birth. So anything we can detect, you know, if something deviates from normal, like suddenly a woman's got high blood pressure or something like that. And normal is vaginal. Is that right? Um, Because that's the natural process of birth. That's right. Because we won't be performing cesareans. Yeah. Yeah. So surgical or instrumental birth, instrumental meaning um, like a vacuum or forceps, I'm sure people have heard of. Um, 
obstetricians are trained surgeons. They're trained in like something's abnormal. They, and you know, if something goes wrong in that way, you're going to want a great obstetrician. That's, that's so true. But um, yeah, that's the, that's the difference between us. Yeah. That's really good to highlight. So, yeah. And then what's the difference between the doula and the midwife? And then yeah. tell us about your doula. <laughs> a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people are like not knowing what a doula is, which they're becoming a lot more popular. And I'm sure people have heard the word before at least. So um, a birth doula and there's, there's different types of doulas too. There are death doulas and there's birth doulas and there's full spectrum doulas. So you can have like a doula support you through a termination or if you're experiencing early birth or miscarriage. Um, so I've hired my midwife, her name's Michelle, th- um, to support me through my pregnancy and um, she'll be there for the birth. But And we've already discussed this. I've discussed this with her. I don't need her support so much, but more for, more so for the children. My husband's really great at supporting me in birth. Like we've gone through it a couple of times together. So um, I said, I, I don't need you for that if, if you can just help out with the kids. But so she'll come and visit afterwards as well. So doulas are support, but they're not medically trained. So they're not going to be doing your blood pressure or, you know, listening to fetal heart rates or anything like that. They're there for you emotionally and they're there for you practically. So Michelle will bring over meals. She's brought over meals even now, like in the pregnancy or like a couple of weeks ago, I was having a really rough sort of mental space. This has actually been a really um, turbulent pregnancy, more so than any of the others I've had. Um and she knew that I was like not feeling great because they'll, they'll just check in. Hey, how are you going? I'll come pop over today. And I said, oh, Lennox, who is my youngest, is not sleeping. And I was like, yeah, I've, I've hardly slept and sleep deprivation on top of everything else that had going on in my life was just like a breaking point. I'm like, yeah. I just feel like shit. And, um, you know, she just turned up the next day and she brought food nourishing food like a really nice salad with some smoked salmon and kombucha and we just like sat outside and talked and she's like I want you to have a bath like do you want to have a bath I'm like yeah I want to have a bath so she ran the bath and she brought flowers and stuff and she's like I'm gonna take the kids my two youngest um to the park while you have a bath and so she did that and um I, after I hopped out of my bath, like I was in there for a good half hour, they're still gone. I was like, okay. And I just like got dressed in my pajamas and just hopped into bed, like just laid down and did some reading and I actually fell asleep. And when I woke up, they were already back and she was hanging out some washing, you know? <laughs> so that's what doulas do. Yeah. You need perfect. one. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Especially yeah. some, especially a doula like that. Yes. Um, it just goes to show that there's different people that have different roles when it comes to labor or birthing or pregnancy and postnatal care. And I think that, you know, they all work in really well together. Like if I think about myself in the situation, I'm not into pregnant, like into the, during like into the trimesters of pregnancy or birthing or labor, but I do work a lot with women when it comes to the postnatal in like understanding their body and their cycle and okay well what are the things you would like to do if you'd like to potentially avoid getting your period back so you'd like to stick to that what we call the lactation method Mm -hmm. um, of of contraception they call it lamb Um, and then um, you know and then helping them conceive as a natural fertility like that's what I'm trained to do is that everyone works as a really great team together we all have different roles and we all complement each other but it's important, I think, if you're going to enter the journey to understand that there's very different yes. like, roles for everybody. To be able to distinguish between them. And that's actually a mistake I made with my first child. I wouldn't say it was a mistake, but I just, you know, an assumption I made that when I was in labour that my midwife would be the one next to me holding my hand and, you know, like wiping the sweat from my brow, whereas in the hospital, Uh, there's a lot of paperwork to do and there's a lot of like medical monitoring. So my midwife was doing all the things she's supposed to do, but I just thought she would be there more. Where are you? I need you here. Like right next to me. But it it wasn't like that. And, And in a home birth 
it's a it's probably a lot more you know that they're there for you but that's sort of the role of the doula is like massaging your back and and just tending to the mother personal slave yes (laughs) amazing personal Um, birth slave but yeah like that's I didn't know that so it it is important to distinguish between all the different roles and they're all so important they are thank (laughs) you this has been such a beautiful conversation and I hope it's helped everyone who's listening just learn a little bit more about midwifery the different stages of pregnancy caring for your body postnatal prenatal even um and then preparing your body for conception at at those stages and understanding all of these different roles um i've loved having you on the show now i do have um i guess a final question that i'd love to ask you um, around these topics is if someone is looking for a place to start to look Right. So you're like, do I look on Google? Do I look in <laughs> yeah. the yellow pages? Do I look? Yeah. Where do I, where can someone look to really get some good resources or information about what would be the best process or journey for me in my own pregnancy? That's a really difficult question because there's, I can't, there's nothing that comes to my mind that's like, you need to go to this website and it will list out the whole thing. That doesn't exist, unfortunately. <laughs> Are you going to make it? <laughs> no, maybe I should. Oh my gosh. I mean, it would be very helpful. It would be solving a lot of problems. But the best way to go about it, I have found, is word of mouth from other mothers mm-hmm. that have, um, you know, had the journey that you kind of identify yourself with wanting to have. Someone saying, oh, my gosh, I had the most amazing experience home birth with my, you know, private midwife. Who was that? So then you can contact them directly. Or someone that had an amazing um, experience on the MGP team at a hospital and you say, how did you get on that? because people don't know how to do that. And the answer to that is go to a GP, ask a GP to send a referral to the hospital and tell them that you want to be on MGP. Like it's, you know. Midwifery group program, is that right? Yeah, um, midwifery group practice. Yeah. Practice. Okay, MGP. Cool. So there's, that's what I find is the easiest way is talking to other women and, you know, your friends, family or whatever and whoever's just said, oh, you've got to do this. And then you you really need to do the digging yourself. And, I mean, maybe that's all part of the, the journey. Yeah, like your empowerment in yourself is sort of going, yeah, doing the work yourself because it's mm. not just going to be sort of handed to you on a platter, I suppose. That's a really good point. Also intuitively going, does this feel in alignment with me? Yeah. Moving into your body and your baby. Does this feel in alignment for us? Yep. Um, yeah, really good points. So yeah. thank you so much. So Any, anything that I've mentioned, like you've heard me say hypnobirthing, it's like, all right, I'm going to jump online and look up what this hypnobirthing thing is or you know you just hear things that other people mention and then it's there you go opens up the can of worms yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think to summarize that is like be curious yeah really curious about it now this is really awesome thank you so much all right final podcast question (laughs) gears so we're not it's not going to be about what we've been chatting about I ask every guest this question oh my gosh And you don't even know it's coming. But I want you to think back, Dana, to like your very first period, so your menarche experience. And yes. What are three things that you wish you had have known then mm. that you now know today? Oh, my goodness. Well, when I think about that, and, and you know it as being a rite of passage, yeah? Like when mm. you have, you're, so for me, it was not a good experience um, it was a very, yeah, that was not a great rite of passage for me. That's a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> but if I could tell, yeah, what's something that I would do different? I think I would definitely um, not go on hormonal contraception because that was something I wanted to do quite early on because I wanted to have control over, you know, it was seen as being an inconvenience to bleed. Um, I wish I knew about, um, I guess, as a cycle, how the hormones work. And so, you know, like about when you're ovulating is a great time to, you know, get out there and do these things. And I wish I knew to rest more, you know, like when it, at different 
um, times of my cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I wish I, I knew a little bit more about um, what I was, you know, like uh, menstrual cups and things like that. It was just always just tampons or pads like that. I didn't know anything else. So more period product education. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I think that would be the same when it comes to, to pregnancy and labor. It's like yes. all the different things you could probably use at that stage that I'm like, there's a birthing swing. Like what is like all these different random things that yeah, people can get? So things. And I've like my eldest daughter, she's turning 10 soon. And it's something we've already discussed is that she said, because I have like, you know, those period undies and she's like, can I get some of those? I'm like, yeah. And like, they're perfect. For we kids. just have conversation around it. Yeah. Very like, different to our experiences. So different. But yeah. I mean, I'm happy that, yeah, I'm happy that we're a generation now that can sort of, you know, have these conversations, have these podcasts, and hopefully young girls are listening and going, oh, okay. I 100% that on board. agree. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's the same thing around like all the topics we talked today about with like midwifery and pregnancy and, yeah, you're yeah. spot on. But they're three great tips. Um, I'm glad that you're going to be able to teach your own daughters these. Yes. And I'm thrilled that you're um, on the menstrual revolution with us. Yes. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you so much for sharing all of your beautiful wisdom today. Um, how can our listeners find you? What's the best place for them to find you? Um, probably Instagram. <laughs> okay, awesome. My, yeah, my personal page is um, Dana Jangles. Jangles is not my surname, even though everyone thinks that. Everyone thinks it's Jangles, but it's just because my husband's name's Bo and his Facebook name is Bo Jangles. Oh, there you um, go. <laughs> but anyway, I've got all the hyperlinks in my bio. Fantastic. And links to all the other things that you do. All the other um, things. Yeah, your online <laughs> e-commerce store, your hypnobirthing. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, no, your midwifery, not hypnobirthing. All, your, all that stuff podcast is there. Podcast stuff, yes. Yeah, yeah podcast, everything. So yeah. I, will, um, I will link all of those to the show notes. But Dana, thank you so much for joining us. I've loved having you on the show. All the best with your upcoming labor and welcoming your fifth beautiful child into the world at home, um, surrounded by your loved ones. Um, yeah, all the best with that. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, Body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.